Come on, Jesus! Dude, today's going to be wild. I'm so pumped. God, I pray that my notes would become trash into comparison to Revelation, Father. That you would come down, Holy Spirit, you would possess me, God. The same way people that are demon-possessed can be fully possessed, I ask right now, fully possess me, Holy Spirit, with your spirit. God, I ask that every word that comes out of my mouth would be dripping the oil and the anointing of heaven, God. Don't let any of my words slip through the cracks. God, I ask for Jesus to communicate through me fully. Lord, we love you. God, I ask for a real deal spirit of wisdom and revelation to fall in the room today. That it wouldn't be insight in the mind, but it would become revelation in the heart. And that it would be made manifest instead of regurgitated through the mouth. Manifest yourself through sons and daughters, God. Land deep in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, come on. All right, so I'm going to be talking about the gospel today. Hallelujah. So Romans 1.16 says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Everyone say, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God. For it is the power of God. Unto salvation. salvation. First to the Jew. Jew. Then to the Gentile. Gentile. I said, "First first to the Jew. And then to the Gentile. Yeah, that's right. So it's actually the gospel message that brings salvation. Now, I'm not trying to be mean, but the word evangelism in Spanish or maybe Portuguese, for those of you Latinos in the room, bless you. The whole world knows we got more fire than anyone else, so, you know, it's all good. And I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But uh, the, so in, in Latin, the word evangelio if you want to say in English, evangelio, whatever, um, it is how we say evangelism. So we say we're going out to do evangelio, evangelism. I mean, sorry, I'm so sorry. I'm mixing my languages in my head. (laughs) Gospel, gospel. Okay, evangelio is the gospel. Evangelio is gospel in Spanish and in Portuguese. So when we say we're going out to share the love of Jesus, what we're communicating in Latin is we're going to do gospelism. So I think there's this misinterpretation that going out to do evangelism means telling people God bless you. Wrong. Sorry, I love you, but it's not evangelism. Uh, That maybe it's telling people Jesus loves you. That's also not evangelism. Um, I'm even going to go as far as saying that just praying for someone to get healed and just giving prophetic words is also not evangelism. Now, they can be parts of evangelism, but unless you're sharing the gospel, you did not evangelize. It's gospelism. Okay, so feeding the homeless, amazing. Not evangelism if you didn't preach the gospel. You have to preach the gospel. That is evangelism. Okay, so today we're going to do a training on how do I communicate the gospel. What is the gospel? This is so crazy. I was thinking this morning, I was praying. And I say this not to boast. I say this to provoke, okay? So don't listen to me with this, like, partnering with the spirit of the accuser and, like, oh, this dude's just boasting and he's arrogant and he's bragging about himself. No, believe me. If anyone's an idiot, it's me. I've done every sin you can think of, like, times a million, okay? I have nothing to boast in in myself. I only have Jesus to boast in, all right? So... When I'm out doing evangelism, it's not me because my flesh doesn't feel like doing it. It's the spirit of God possessing me because that's what he desires to do. So as I share these testimonies, I want you to think about it from that posture because revelations, 
Revelation says that testimony is the prophecy of Jesus. Okay, so as I'm sharing these testimonies, it's a prophetic word over your life that you're going to do the same thing. It's a portal that's opening where you're now having access to enter into the same stories in your own life. Okay, so I'm 31 years old. I just turned 30 in July. I mean, 31 in July. And for my 30th year of life, the Lord had spoken to me before I turned 30. He said, Frenchie, this year is going to be super monumental in your life. I've been waiting your whole life for this year. And so I began to pray this prayer that we see in Exodus, in, uh, sorry, Genesis chapter 30, where Jacob's wife, Rachel, can't have kids. And she's barren. And she starts to cry out to God. And she says, God, give me children or I'll die. God, give me children or I'll die. God, give me children or I'll die. And we know that later she gives birth to Joseph and into Benjamin. And so Praying Hyde, he's an intercessor. If you haven't read his book, it's called Praying Hyde. I would suggest finding it. This dude is an intercessor, and he would spend days in prayer. The reason I'm sharing this story is to break off passivity for those people that say, well, I already pray. I don't need to go out and do evangelism. Okay, because he was an intercessor, and he would pray every single day. He, would, he went one day, 30 days, no food, no sleep, just prayer. And he said, you know, people pray for revelation, they pray for healing, but why don't people pray for endurance when it's one of the characteristics of the Holy Spirit? So this dude's in prayer every day, every day, every day in intercession. There was rivets on his wooden floor where he would rock back and forth next to his bed in intercession. And this dude started praying, God, give me souls or I die. The same prayer that Rachel prayed, God, give me souls or I die. God, give me souls or I die. And one day he had this breakthrough moment where he saw a person get saved. And then for the rest of the year, he led one person to the Lord every day for a year. And the next year he said, God, double it. If you did that last year, you can do two this year. And the next year he saw two people saved every day for a year. And the next year he said, God, double it. If you could do two, you can do four. And the next year he saw four people ushered into the kingdom of heaven every day for a year. Why do I share that? No one has an excuse. This guy was not an evangelist. He was an intercessor. Yet he was out seeing the lost get saved. So I started praying that prayer. God, give me souls or I die. God, give me souls or I die. And you see, it was prayer partnering with an activation in my spirit. So David Gava, he might not be speaking in your school this year, but he came and spoke to us at Circuit Riders. And he said, I say the gospel to myself every day to renew the joy of my salvation in my spirit. Every day I rehearse the gospel to myself because I never know at what moment in the day I'm going to need to say it. And so I started to do that. So the prayer of God give me souls or I die in partnership with chewing on the gospel every day. 20 minutes in the shower preaching the gospel to myself. Come on, I spent two years preaching the gospel to myself. Why? Because Brian Brent says, how is it that people can come and do Iron Man? They can change the way they eat, change the way they dress, change the way they live, change the people they hang out with, change the way they talk, change the magazines they look at. Every single thing in their life changes, and they don't take a break. They train every day all year. For what? To win a hundredth place in a race? Only one person gets the trophy. Everyone else is second and on. 
which means you didn't win, yet they still train to run it. And he goes, what saddens my heart is that the body of Christ isn't training to win souls. He goes, these people are coming to win a millionth, thousandth place in a, in a race, yet we don't train every day to win salvations. And I believe that we've arrived in a generation where people are eager to train to win souls. Because you see, before, Satan was more passionate about souls than we are, than we were as humanity. Yet today, God is raising up a remnant of people that are going to over-passion Satan for souls. Where people are going to dream of salvations, talk about dreams and visions they've had of preaching the gospel before the masses. And us, as a generation, that the mantle of Billy Graham has fallen upon are going to rise up with an eagerness to say, Satan, you're not going to outsoul me. I'm stepping in the game, and you're about to get smoked. Come on, this is us, guys. This is us. And the more we believe it, the more we'll actually walk in it. You believe you're saved? Then you need to believe this is true, too. Because God has appointed you for this. So praying hide, he sees all these souls saved. Man, this dude ends up becoming so anointed by the power of God. They ask him to preach at a conference one time. They would ask him all the time. He's like, no, I just feel like I'm supposed to pray. And he would go back to the prayer room and just pray. And people would be like, what? We asked you to speak. He'd say, no, I'm just supposed to pray. Guys, this is what we're going after right here. Where this guy stood up one time finally in front of thousands. And he stands up in front of the room in India. And he says three words three times. Dear Lord God. Dear Lord God. Dear Lord God. And suddenly the Shekinah glory of the Lord breaks out in the room. People start getting delivered of demons. People start getting healed and no one's touching them. Literally, the Shekinah glory of the Lord comes and falls in a room because of how near he was to the heart of God. This is what began to leak off of his life as he saw these souls ushering into the kingdom. As he was diligent to go after the things of God and the heart of God. And so the reason I share that is because I believe that this is what we're all aiming towards. Imagine the day where your eloquence speech becomes trash and you can stand in front of someone just say the name of Jesus and suddenly they're saved. Smith Wigglesworth has a book called Healing and there's this part where he's washing his hands and he gets onto the train and sits down and this guy looks at him and he goes, what are you doing to me? Why are you convicting me of my sin? Jesus, I repent right now for all of my sin. And the whole entire train falls on their knees in repentance. He didn't say one word. It was the presence of God emanating from him. But he was a healing evangelist. He was diligent in the things of God. Come on, Jesus. Do it in us, right? All right. So I'm going to read through my knots. Evangelism is not sharing your testimony. Love you guys. I promise. I've never seen someone get saved off me sharing my testimony. Just being honest. I've never led someone to the Lord for my testimony. 
And I've like gone after the craziest things. My first time doing evangelism, what I thought was evangelism, was during my DTS. I went down in the town. We prayed, asked God, who are we supposed to talk to? Went and talked to this dude. We end up sitting there sharing the story with him. I share my story with him. I shared this in Messenger Track the other day. And I tell him, dude, man, this is the story of my life. You know, I, I had this girlfriend, and she was cheating on me with two of my best friends behind my back. And then I get her pregnant. We abort the kid. And I was so shameful and so embarrassed and so angry and hurtful with myself and against myself that I started smoking meth, and I locked myself in a bedroom for a year and a half. All I wanted to do was smoke ice. And I hated friends, and I hated girls, and I never wanted to be in a relationship again, and I never wanted another friend. And this guy starts weeping, and he goes, that's my story. I go, no way, dude. I was 19 when that happened. He goes, I'm 19 right now. And it was literally my story and his story were the same exact story at that part of his life. And I go, dude, I don't know what to do right now, but I just want to pray for you. And so I'm not discrediting sharing your testimony. I'm not undervaluing praying for people. Those are awesome. What I'm trying to do is I'm activating you into the next step, which is actually preaching the gospel. Okay? So there's steps. And those are breakthrough moments, and I love them. So I'm telling you my first time going out, so I let you know I honor those moments. But I'm helping catapult you into the next measure. Okay, so I'm out there. I'm going to freak some of you guys out, but this is just the real deal what happens on the streets. I tell him, man, let me just pray for you because I don't know what to do. I put my hand on his head because that's what I saw everyone in my DTS do. And I'm like, right now, I just declare healing in the name of Jesus. I start praying over him. This huge puddle of snot starts dripping out of his nose as he gets delivered. And this girl is sitting off to the side and she goes, Frenchie, come here, Frenchie, come here, come here. After I pray for the dude, I walk over. I'm like, what's up? She goes, Dude, I saw an angel standing behind you, and he had this huge bag. I don't know what it was. It was like gold dust, and he was throwing it at you. Let me see your arm. She turns the light on on her flashlight, shines it up my arm. And I'm like, no way, dude. You put this on me. And she's like, no, I didn't. I've been sitting here the whole time. And I'm like thinking I'm having an LSD flashback. I'm like tripping out. I'm like, holy smokes, dude. Like the drugs are kicking back in. And I'm looking at it. And I'm like, what is this? And she's like, I told you. I saw the angel behind you. I'm like, no way. And I look at the other arm. She shines light, and I'm covered in gold dust. So I meet with my outreach leaders. I'm freaked out. I'm like, dude, I'm thinking I think I have, like, drug flashbacks. Like, this thing happened. He starts laughing. He goes, you believe God is real, right? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, then why wouldn't he reveal himself to you? It was crazy. I don't know if this is what really happened, but I was reading through Exodus the other day where Moses comes up the mountain and he comes down. Some people think he was shining like a light. But I was like, what if it was gold dust? <laughs> what if he's, like, wiping it and everyone's like, ooh. And like, kind of like making like this weird idol at him. He's like, oh my gosh, I got to cover my face because all these people are tripping out about me right now. And just like covers it so it stops being a distraction. I don't know. It was just a thought. I'm not saying it's biblical. All right. So back to me being 30 this, or 31 this year. If you don't have a journal, I'll pull one out. Carry a journal everywhere I go. Let me tell you why. Sometimes, you know, guys know the parable about the seed landing in fertile soil. Yeah? Okay, it's not just about salvation. Although it is, it is symbolic of salvation, but it's also about revelation. You know, sometimes the Lord will speak something to you, and you don't think it's that big of a deal, and you're like, oh, I'll remember this, and you don't write it down, and all of a sudden, the next day, you completely forgot what God spoke to you, and it literally got lost. Can I, like, propose something to you? That was the crow coming to steal the seed so it wouldn't land in your heart and made, made manifest in your life. The enemy does not want you to have revelation. You see, he wants you to have maybe wisdom and insight because you'll know all the stuff up here. But if it lands in your heart, you can actually do the stuff. That's what he wants to keep you from. So he'll come and he'll eat the seed. He'll send crows to snatch it. And next thing you know, you didn't write it down and you don't even remember what God spoke. And maybe 15 years later, you're like, oh, I think I heard that before. 
So start writing things down. God's always talking. We've got to value the words of the Lord. Okay? So, I journal every day of my life. Literally every day of my life I live twice. Because I live it once in the natural and I live it once in the spirit with the Holy Spirit. And I go through the day and I go, God, thank you for that moment. God, that was incredible. Father, the look on that girl's face when she was weeping because she saw you. God, those children encountering you, that was incredible. And every single time I see a person get saved, I journal the number of people that got saved. Not because I'm trying to keep a census like David, but because I want to flip back through the Bible, and I mean through my journal, and go, Lord, you did that. On the days where I'm feeling low, I can flip back and go, Lord, you did that. On the days that the enemy's accusing me and saying, you don't do enough, you need to do more, I can flip back through my journal and say, Lord, you're doing plenty. So 31st birthday, I pull out my journal, I lock myself in my room by myself, and I start flipping through the pages. Lord, let's relive this past year. Lord, let's go through this year again. I start flipping through the pages. Start tally marking, calculating. Oh my gosh, Lord. Oh my gosh, Lord. Flipping. I get all the way up to this year. And from July 17th, 2018 to 2019, like I said, I'm not boasting in myself. This is Jesus. The Lord used me to witness 3,448 salvations in a year. Guys, I'm not bragging. I've only been saved for five years. I got delivered over in that tent. When I got here, I wasn't even a Christian. I was a drug addict. All of a sudden, the demons get cast out of me, and I surrender everything to Jesus. I've only been a believer for five years, but I've been crying out, God, I refuse to go down as someone that's never led people to the Lord. Like, I refuse for the story of my life to be another believer that goes to the grave without any salvations or any stones on their crown. Come on, Jesus. Give me souls or I die. Give me souls or I die, God. Give me souls or I die, God. Crying out to God, please. That was what I got to witness this past year. 3,448 souls, guys. That's insane. I was weeping. Thank you, God. I can't believe it. Thank you, God. I can't believe it. He goes, it's only going up from here, son. Keep going. Keep going. And all of a sudden, he tells me, take out your Bible and flip to Hebrews 11. So I take out my Bible. I flip to Hebrews 11. And it's talking about all these, like, OGs. Like, all these gangsters in the kingdom. It's talking about Noah. Like all the ridicule he dealt with, and still he said yes. It's talking about Moses. All the Israelites complaining and saying, this is your fault that we're not, we don't have water and we don't have food. Yet he kept going. It's talking about Samson, David, like all these OG gangsters. And all of a sudden, I get to the end. I'm sitting there in tears. And the Lord says, read a little bit further. So I'm reading verse 39 and 40, and in the beginning of 12, Hebrews 11, it says, this is Passion Translation. If you're not reading it, I'll pray for you later, and you'll get converted. Hallelujah. Okay. These were the true heroes commended for their faith, yet they lived in hope without receiving the fullness of what was promised to them. But now God has invited us to live in something better than what they had, faith's fullness. This is so that they could be brought to finish perfection alongside of us. 
Guys, do you know what this means? This means that they never saw the fulfillment of what they were believing for. They were believing for the kingdom of heaven to come down to the earth and break out. They were believing for the spirit of God to live inside of them. They were believing for Jesus the Messiah come to earth to die on the cross and set his people free from the slavery of sin. And they never saw it, yet we live in the day that they were always hoping for. And now they're in heaven. And they're like, come on, guys. This is what we died for. This is what we were persecuted for. This is what we believed for. You have it. Come on, don't let it go to waste, man. We gave everything so you could have this. We literally gave our lives so that you could live with this. Please, don't let it sit in the cupboard. Use the Holy Spirit. Come on, we fought for this. And they're begging us. Come on, go. Go. Be free. Be free from sin. Be free from the lies of the enemy. Be free from accusation towards believers. Be free to cast demons and heal the sick and release the kingdom wherever you go. Be free. Come on. Chapter 12, it says, as for us, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin that we so easily fall into. Then we will, able, we will be able to run life's marathon with passion and determination for the path has already been marked out before us. This is the race we're talking about, guys. This is the race like the Ironman race where we are training every single day. And it says this great cloud of witnesses is standing around us going, come on, guys, you got this. Come on, guys, you can do this. The same way that Moses and Elijah came down to meet with Jesus on the mountain of transfiguration. They're coming down in the spirit and they're saying, come on, guys, you can do this. Come on, guys, the Holy Spirit is in you. You got this. Come on, it says that we are surrounded by this cloud of witnesses. You see, the angels are in heaven singing, holy, 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 on repeat, holy, holy, because the holiness of God never runs out. But the cloud of witnesses, they're up there after being here, and they're saying, worthy, worthy, you were worth it. You were worth it. You were worth the difficulty. It says the elders are casting down their crowns singing, worthy. Worthy, worthy. I was on earth, man. I got killed because I was declaring your name's sake and you were worth it. Worthy, worthy. I was ridiculed and made fun of and my family hated me. And everywhere I went, people made fun of me because I believed in you. Worth it, worthy, 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 worthy. And here they are around us saying, come on, guys, he's worth it. He's worthy. I promise he's worth it. When you get here, you'll see he's worth it. Every struggle, every difficulty, he's worth it. Every time someone's flicked you off or cussed you out for trying to tell him about Jesus, he's worth it. He's worth it. He's worth it. He's worthy. And I was chewing on this scripture, and the Lord goes, you know what separates them? They're a cloud of witnesses. I said, yeah, I know. He goes, they were witnessing. 
they were witnessing. We know in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it said, says, when the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive power and you will be my witnesses to Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, to your family, to your city, to your state, to your nation, and to the nations. You will be my witnesses. You see, I believe that when we get to heaven, those that are up there will be witnesses. He says right here, they were surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Are we witnessing? Come on. Are we witnessing? Thank you, Jesus. I pray right now there would be a provoking, a holy, holy provoking in every spirit, God. That people would have a hunger for souls, God. I pray right now for an impartation and a release of hunger for souls, Jesus. Mm, you guys good? All right. You know, Jesus, when he came down to the earth, he preached on the kingdom 192 times. The kingdom of heaven was like a pearl of great price. The kingdom of heaven was like leaven that the woman mixed into the flour. The kingdom of heaven was like a treasure. The kingdom of heaven was like a mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven was like this, was like that. Literally, his message, if you don't know this, on earth, 192 times he preached the kingdom of heaven. The first time he ever preaches in Matthew chapter 4, he says, repent. The kingdom of heaven is here. The kingdom of heaven has arrived. You don't need to wait till you die to go to heaven. You can access it here on the earth right now. So sometimes I hear the people that are like, oh, we're just gospel. We only preach the gospel. And then there's the other side. They're like, no, because the gospel is so confrontational. People already know the gospel. We're just going after healing and prophecy. Okay, no, it's both. Because the gospel is the open door for the kingdom to be made manifest. When we preach the gospel, he's faithful to show up. We're literally standing in front of the enemy and we're declaring who Jesus is. And then we're laughing in his face and going, watch, let me prove it. Boom, the kingdom breaks out. So we must, I'm not saying don't pray for the sick. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying don't prophesy. I'm saying add the gospel to it. Let me tell you why. You want to know why? Okay, number one, here's the first reason. We have a whole generation that's out preaching this message, which is not the gospel. You know Jesus died on the cross so that when you die, you can go to heaven? Let's even add some juice to it. You know God created you in his image, and he loves you so much, and you can repent for your sin right now because he died on the cross so that all your sin could be forgiven, and when you die, you can go to heaven? What I just preached to you right now was the gospel of death. He died so you can die and have eternity. Death, death. No life. There's a whole generation out preaching this message. But Christ raised from the dead. He's not in the grave and he's not dead. He's resurrected. Meaning, if we are co-crucified with Christ, we are also co-resurrected with him. So we all know the stories Jesus raises from the dead. All of a sudden the disciples are having a meal and he uh, just shows up in the room. Just magically appears. And they're like, whoa, what are you doing? He's like, yo, what's good? You guys ready to eat or what? 
Can I propose to you something? That that same body where he can teleport and do these crazy things is your co-resurrected body. The more you'll believe it, you'll step into it. Because you see, Jesus was a prototype of what our life is to look like. Otherwise, why did he get baptized? He didn't sin. Isn't baptism for the cleansing of sin? He got baptized because he was showing everything I do, you are to do too. So he gets baptized, and all of a sudden he starts doing all these crazy things, casting demons, raising the dead, healing the sick, and all of a sudden he starts appearing in places after he's resurrected and then disappearing. Can I tell you that one day the body of Christ will step into such a measure of co-resurrected life that we'll be able to do that? Okay, let me share your story for those of you that are doubting right now, and you're like, this dude's a heretic. Brother Yoon, read the book called Heavenly Man. This guy was part of the persecuted church of China. Okay, he's been beaten. They wrapped him. He, the whole prison broke out in scabies. And they took all the blankets with scaby dry skin, wrapped him in them because he was the only person in the prison with no scabies. And they were angry because he was a Christian. He went 88 days, no food, no water. In prison. They wrap him in scaby blankets and they take turns yearning on his face. They take him. He goes, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. Holy Spirit fully inside, fully possessed by God. So our interior world and exterior world can both look just like Christ in his resurrected body. Otherwise, what are we co-crucified and co-resurrected for? So that we can speak another language and fall on the floor? I don't think so. It's so we can have power. Because the power demonstrates to a dying world that there's a God that's alive. Okay, so they take turns peeing on him. They stick electric rods in his mouth, down his throat, and electrocute him from the inside out. One day, they're so angry that he's preaching the gospel in prison and everyone's getting saved that they start bashing his knees and they both break. So he's laying there with broken knees. And one day, the Lord speaks to him and says, stand up. He goes, God, my knees are broken. I know. Stand up. God, you don't understand. I can't walk. Stand up. Stands up on his legs. The Lord says, walk towards the gate. Now, put yourself in his shoes. This guy's not dead. He's alive right now. This is our generation. He says, walk towards the gate, the prison door. Okay, what am I going to do? Like, think, man. Like, this is literally what would run through our mind. He's a human. And the Lord says, walk towards the door. And as he walks to the door, it begins to open. And begins to close behind him. God, what do I do? Walk down the middle of the prison. God, there's guards. Walk down the middle of the prison. He walks down the middle of the prison, and there's prison guards holding guns, and they're looking, and they're looking right at his direction, and no one sees him. The Lord literally turns him invisible. He walks through the whole entire prison, all the way to the main gate, and the Lord goes, keep going. The gate closes behind him. He walks up through the, through the prison field, the yard, the prison yard. There's people with guns all on their little stations looking, and he's literally walking through the field, and no one can see him. He walks up to a 20-foot wall surrounded with barbed wire, and the Lord says, leap. <laughs> right. What are you talking about, God? Leap. 
and in one single leap, he jumps over 20 feet. He clears the fence and lands on the other side on healed knees and runs to his friends to keep preaching the gospel. This guy's alive, man. He walks, he, he goes all over the world preaching this. He lives in Germany. This is why I'm proposing to you, what if our life is a lot more than what the enemy has allowed us to believe? What if co-resurrection is real? What if we really are called to live just like Jesus, just like these witnesses believed? Fully possessed, inner world, outer world. Okay, what is the gospel of the kingdom? The gospel of the kingdom is he rose from the dead and we are co-resurrected with him and now we have access to eternity here on earth. You see, John 17 says eternity is to know God. It's not just some magical world where dead people go. It is a dimension of God's love that we can access where we become fully possessed by himself here now. That is the gospel of the kingdom. That is why we can heal the sick and cast demons because in heaven, there's no demons. If you didn't know that, I'm letting you know now. There's no demons in first heaven. There is no orphans up there. There is no diseases up there. There is no sickness. There is no pain. There's no divorce. There's no rape. There's no murder. You know what happens every single time we release the kingdom of heaven here on the earth? We just opened a portal from heaven to earth, and those things have to vanish in our reality. That sounds like a lot better news than waiting till I die so I can get a castle and sit by some lame river. Sorry, but if I go to heaven and Jesus isn't there and all I get is a river, I'm going to call him and be like, bro, I don't want to be here. Where are you at? I'm trying to be where you're at, dude. I didn't live on earth so that I could come live in a river. I'm trying to live by you, Jesus. Where are you? This is the gospel of the kingdom. It's life, 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 and life abundantly, and it's expanding. You see, Jesus came down as one dude. The kingdom had not been preached. All of a sudden, he shows up, and he's like, yo, dude, repent. The kingdom of heaven is, like, officially here. He takes 12 dudes, and he's like, guys, let me show you, man. I'm going to train you guys in kingdom lifestyle. Let me show you this thing's real. Starts training the 12. Next thing you know, Acts chapter 2, Peter stands up for the first time, preaches the gospel. 3,000 people get saved. They start house churches, and all of a sudden, the kingdom starts to expand. Guys, there is 7 billion people on the planet right now, and 3.5 billion have already heard the gospel. That started with one dude, Jesus, who spread it to 12 dudes, who spread it to more, who spread it to more. Who spread it to more? Everyone's like, oh, the world is so dark. Oh, my gosh, it's so bad. Are you kidding me? Can you imagine what it was like when no one was hearing from God for 400 years before Jesus came down? That was a hellhole, man. They sinned, and progressively creation got worse and worse and worse. Suddenly Jesus comes, and bam, here comes the kingdom. Now it's getting better and better and better. You see, he says in Matthew, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. Leaven is yeast. When you add it to something, it takes over the whole thing. Literally, all the dough is from the leaven. The whole thing turns into dough. All the flour turns into dough. 
What is he saying? Yo, when the seed of the kingdom comes down, it's going to swallow the earth. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is king. His desire is that none should perish, but every single one of them would have eternal life. So for those of you praying, God, come now, save me from this horrible place, you're selfish. Because not everyone's heard. And our responsibility as a generation is to make sure that everyone has heard. That's not selfish. This is the kingdom. This is the message of the kingdom. It's swallowing planet Earth. And you're either in it or you're going to be in it soon. So good. Thank you, Jesus, for the gospel of the kingdom. Right? So we're inviting people into eternal life here, now. Like, bro, you can have eternal joy right now. You can have eternal peace right now. Let me give you the interiors and exteriors. Okay, you enter the kingdom of heaven right now. What happens in your interior world where the kingdom of heaven is inside of you? John 14, 2. In my Father's house are many rooms. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Then you'll come where I am. Okay, what he's saying is that the kingdom of heaven is inside of you. Because he's in God and God is in you. He's in Christ. The Father's at the right hand of the Father. He is in the Father and the Father is in him. Meaning Christ is in you and you are in Christ. So you are also seated at the right hand of the Father with Christ. So the kingdom of heaven is inside of you. And as it expands, like the leaven, it permeates and takes over everything. So what does your interior world start to look like? Zero depression. Zero anxiety. Zero anger, zero unforgiveness, zero greed, zero fear, zero religion, hallelujah, thank you, Lord. Zero addiction other than to Jesus. A zero double life where you're one person around some and another around others. Literally, he permeates you to where you become whole. Whole. Spirit, body, soul. And then what does the exterior look like? Oh, so fun. Healing blind eyes. Healing deaf ears. Tumors shrinking. I prayed for this guy in Mexico one time who had a tumor on his stomach. I go, in Jesus' name, tumor, get out. It disinflates like a balloon. Comes up his throat. Dude coughs it out, gets set free. Cancerous tumor, gone. Prostitutes start turning into prophets. The biggest drug dealers in a town turn into the biggest evangelist in town. Demons not only start getting cast out of people, but out of cities. This is the interior and exterior life of living in the kingdom. Isn't that so much cooler than just dying and going to heaven? Come on, guys. No wonder people aren't getting saved when we preach that message. For real. All right, how much time I got? Cool. All right, so why do we manifest the kingdom? So they can see that Jesus is real because he wants to put himself on display. He loves to put himself on display. Luke at skate night the other night here in Ohana Court prays for this dude who has a shorter leg than the other because he has back pain and the dude's leg grows out and now no more back pain. God put himself on display. He loves to show off. He's God. He loves being worshipped. Why wouldn't he put himself on display? All right. I'm going to tell you what happens when we go out and we just demonstrate the kingdom but don't preach the gospel. 
Okay, because I remember one time I met this old dude down at the pier. And I walk up, and the dude's wearing, like, all these metal rods. He's, like, 66 or 65 years old. His whole leg is rotted up in metal things. And I walk up. I'm like, what's up, man? He's like, hey, how's it going, dude? I'm like, bro, is it cool if I just sit with you and chat for a little bit? He's like, yeah, 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 of course. He's a homeless dude. So I sit down with him. We're talking story. We're just chatting. And all of a sudden I go, bro, can I tell you something? He goes, what's that? I start preaching the gospel to him. Dude, God created you with such a divine purpose, man. He loves you so much, dude. Like, he's obsessed with you, bro. You have kids? Yeah, I had a kid a long time ago. Dude, how much did you love that kid? Oh, so much. Dude, that's how much he loves you, bro. Like, the same way that kid looked like you, you look like God. You're creating his image. Dude, he's obsessed with you, man. He loves you so much. For real? For real, dude, so much. Here's the deal, though, man. Like, we all have sin. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm a sinner. Dude, I know. I hear you. All of us, dude, we've all messed up. And I start sharing a little bit about all the hiccups I've had in my life without Jesus, even with Jesus. I'm like, dude, I hear you, man. Like, we're all sinners. The Bible says we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Like, we've all sinned. He's like, huh, it's good to hear. I'm like, yeah, for sure. I'm like, dude, but you know what the worst part about it is? Is that God knows that sin deserves hell. Like, he's perfect, dude. Our sin, it's, it's, it takes us to a destiny where our destiny is hell. That's why God hates it. You think, bro, would you want your son or your daughter to the, like permanently be in an electric chair? He's like, no. I'm like, that's what I'm saying, dude. God doesn't want that. He doesn't want that for us, man. He loves us. But we choose it. He can't force us, but he wants us to be free from sin because he knows that our destiny in living in sin is hell, man. He hates that. He's like, yeah, I can see that. I'm like, totally, dude. But, man, it's so crazy. Like, Jesus loves us so much. That even though he deserves to tell us, hey, man, you're going to hell and you deserve it. Like, if anyone can say that, it's him. Because he's holy and he's perfect and we've all messed up. But instead of looking at us and saying, you're all dirty, filthy sinners and you're all going to hell. He looks at us and goes, man, I feel so bad. I love you guys so much. I'm going to pay your price. And he left heaven, dude. Like, why would anyone leave heaven? I am never going to leave heaven once I'm in there. Like, you best believe I'm full-time, not half-time, not part-time, full-time. And Jesus is sitting up there getting worshipped by angels all day, every day, and he goes, man, I'm going to come down to this place that they destroyed because I know that only I have the solution. And I love them so much, I'm going to pay for it. So he comes down to the earth, dude, and he dies this crazy death, man. Like religion hates him, politics hates him. Everyone hates him, man. Even his best friends that are like ride or die, the day he's dying, they all dip out scared, denying that they even know him. And he dies on the cross, man. But it's so crazy because he knew, like, I can't get into hell. I don't have permission to enter there. But if I put all of their sin on me, I am eternity. If I take all the past sin, all the present sin, all the future sin, and I put it on myself, I'll have permission granted into hell. I'll be able to get in. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go down there. I'm going to do that. And the enemy is going to think that he won, and he's not going to have any idea that I just tricked him. I'm going to go down to hell. I'm going to stomp on that fool. I'm going to take the keys back that he snatched from my children. I'm going to raise from the dead to show him that not even death can hold us down. I'm going to raise from the dead. I'm going to give them the keys back, and then I'm going to go, and the spirit that I blew in Adam's nose when I created him in the garden suddenly is going to enter back into them again. And they're going to be able to live with the fullness, not part or portions of my spirit, the fullness of my spirit. All day, every day. 
not because of anything that they did or tried to do or anything that they deserved. It's because I love them. I'm paying for it. They're not. How can they afford it? They don't even stand a chance. But I'm creator God, so I'm going to pay the price. No other God would ever do that because no other God has power. But I am real. I'm going to go pay the price, raise from the dead, and I'm going to give them the gift of my spirit so they can cast demons, heal the sick, live sin-free. They can live the kingdom of heaven on earth filled with joy, peace, love, righteousness. And in one day, they're going to rise up to be face-to-face with me. It's going to be the best party ever. I go, dude, you want that? You want to know that right now you don't have to try fighting the sin in your life anymore? Dude, let's be real. Who's more powerful, you or God? And the old man looks at me, he goes, God, for sure. I'm like, yeah, 100%. That's why we can't defeat sin, dude, but he can. If we surrender our life to him, he will possess us with his spirit, and he'll start abolishing that stuff from our life. He'll start kicking it out, man. He'll roll his sleeves up and say, all right, what's next, baby? Let's go. And he's like, for real? I'm like, dude, he'll grab your hand, and he'll start knocking things out of your life as long as you do it with him. He's like, that sounds awesome. I'm like, I know, right? And like healing the sick and casting demons, all that stuff is part of it too. And then one day when you die, he looks at you and he's like, whoa, this person's filled with my light. This is one of mine. Welcome. I've been waiting for you. He's like, dude, it's epic. I'm like, you want to give your life to Jesus right now? He's like, yes. Man, I'm, I'm old, man. I'm getting old, man. Like, I need to do this. I need this. Together, we do the prayer. Guy's got tears in his eyes. I've got tears in my eyes. I'm like, bro, I love you, man. He goes, Frenchie, I don't know who you are but I would follow you for the rest of my life if I could. Something that you just shared with me. He goes, let me guess. You're a YWAMer? I go, yeah. He goes, man, I've had a lot of you guys come and pray for my leg. And like everyone always comes and they tell me, hey, tomorrow your leg's going to be healed when you wake up. And I wake up and it's not healed. It's crazy, man. Like no one's ever actually stopped to tell me this story. Everyone's just come and told me that I'm going to be healed but you're the first person that actually overlooked my leg and saw me instead of overlooking me and seeing my leg. Guys, I was bawling. I was like, I'm so sorry, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but now you get your own access. He's like, yeah, dude. I do, huh? I'm like, yeah, dude. I'm both crying. I'm like, dude, I love you so much, bro. You see the injustice we do if we're not preaching the gospel? This is the analogy I like to use. Imagine that I just went to Disneyland, and you're my best friend. I just got back, and I'm, like, so hype on Disneyland, dude. Like, I am so freaking pumped, right? I'm like, dude, I just went to Disneyland? Bro, it was so epic. I ate a drumstick. Dude, it was so good. That thing was, like, this fat, dude. It was huge, man. I ate the whole thing, too, bro, for real, the whole thing. And the waffle fries. Dude, it was so sick. I rode that thing that goes around Mickey's head like 15 times in a row, dude. It was crazy. I didn't even throw up. It was crazy. I didn't even throw up. It was so sick. I rode it more than anyone else there that day. (laughs) So cool, right? Bro, it was so sick, man. And then, dude, check this out. I saw Jasmine. Hey, you better believe I took a selfie with her, bro. She, she fine, right? Oh, bro. I got a selfie with Jasmine. I got a selfie with Minnie Mouse. Bro, it was the dopest thing. No, bro, for real. I went, I went to, to, to that part where the little song is like, it's a small world after all. Bro, I was like singing top of my lungs. It's a small world after all. Everyone's looking at me like I was crazy, but I don't care, man. I went to Disneyland, baby. It was so dope. Bro, as a matter of fact, oh, my gosh. Let me take you with me, bro. I got tickets. Bro, let me take you with me, dog. You down? You down? Hey, you down? Hey, you down? Go to Disneyland, bro. Come on, let's go. 
All right, bro, this Saturday we're going to Disneyland, bro. It's going to be so sick. We're going to Disneyland. Bro, you know what's even better? I got one of them hats with the Mickey ears, bro. I'm going to get you one. I'm going to get you one, bro. We're going to match, bro. We're going to match the Mickey ears. It's going to be so sick, dude. Dude, it's going to be so dope. All right, I'll pick you up Saturday, 6 in the morning. You better be ready, bro. Don't flake out on me. Don't flake out on me, dog. You in? You in? All right, bet. All right, all right, all right. Dude, it's going to be dope, dude. We're going to ride that ride like 100 times, dude. Mickey's head. Bring a selfie stick, bro, because we're going to do the whole time roller coaster. It's going to be so dope. Instagram for days. Saturday morning rolls around. Show up at your house with my Mickey ears. Hey, yo, what's good, dog? Hey. Yo, let's go, bro. It takes me so dope. I got a cooler in the back filled with water, dude. It's good. Oh, man, we don't have to pay for anything. Bro, it's going to be so dope. But I'll buy you a drumstick, though, because I ain't that broke. I'll buy you a drumstick. Dude, it's going to be so sick. We pull up to Disneyland, and we're in the car, and we're outside the gate, and I'm like, bro, look. Oh, dude, look, 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 look. I, I went up there, dude. I was looking down from the tower. Dude, it was so sick. You can see everything, dude. Like, all Anaheim's on display there, dude. It's so sick. Bro, like, back there, the roller coaster. Dang, dude, that was so sick, man. Oh, bro, so sick, dude. Man, you got to get you some. <laughs> All right, bro. That was dope, right? Uh, I got to be somewhere like two hours, bro, so let's dip. <laughs> hey, let's be real. That's like an injustice, right? How would you feel if you were sitting in the passenger seat and I just hyped everything up and all of a sudden I'm like, all right, dude, let's dip. <laughs> I put everything on display. And I'm like, man, that's so sick, right? Let's go. You know, every single time we manifest the kingdom but don't preach the gospel, we literally did that to people. We drove them all the way up to the gate. We go, yo, I got a ticket, but I'm not going to give you the ticket. Only I want to enjoy inside. So I'm going to drop you off at home. I'm going to bring someone else maybe. Nah, actually, I'm going to save both tickets for myself. <laughs> kingdom, no gospel. You know, the gospel is the open door into the kingdom of heaven. How else are they going to receive salvation if they don't know the message of the gospel? That's why we got to preach the gospel. Otherwise, we just did someone a huge injustice. That is not fair. Right? Oh, I just hear the Lord saying this. Ba ba ba. Oh, my gosh. How did you know that? Oh, so awesome. Ba ba. All we did was show off our cool gift. And didn't invite them in to get their own gift. Love you guys. I promise. <laughs> Just trying to supercharge you in the spirit. All right? Because right now, we're going to start training the gospel with the time I got left. Because speaking of gospel, I'm about to go to the local high school and preach the gospel. So, so we're going to do real quick training. Real quick, though, just some pointers on evangelism. I'm out there quite frequently. I love doing evangelism. Number one, don't go in groups more than two. Let me tell you why. I was in Brazil one time. And John Mark was with me and these other homies. And I'm, like, sitting at the house. I'm, like, bro, it's boring, man. Why are we just sitting here? Like, there ain't even a TV in here. There ain't even video games. Like, we're just sitting around doing nothing. Let's go preach the gospel, dude. Let's go walk down the street. So everyone's, like, all right, let's do it. We're walking down the street. It's four of us. We see these two dudes. I'm, like, yo, right there, those dudes. Right there, those guys. Come on. And we start walking up. And the two dudes split up. One goes to the left side of the road. One goes to the right side of the road. And we walk up. I'm, like, yo, yo, split up. Two and two. Two and two. So we split up. We go to them. They're like, yo, what's up? And I'm like, what's wrong with you, dude? Chill out. I'm here to talk about Jesus. And they're like, oh, man, we thought you guys were coming to jump us. So we figured it's easier two-on-one than four-on-two. <laughs> 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 
They're ready to fight. Why do I say that? Don't roll up super squatted on people. It's weird. And they're freaked out. And sometimes they're just going to do the prayer so that you go away because they're so freaked out in the moment. Just go in twos, man. It's a little bit more natural. They're not going to feel intimidated. Talk to the person. Love them. Okay? Other one, don't speak Christianese because nobody speak that other than Christians. Like, imagine hanging out with a doctor and he uses medicinal terms the whole time. You're scratching your head going, I have no idea what you're saying. Okay, similarly, the lost doesn't know what righteous means. And they don't know what pursuing holiness means. And they don't know what redemption means. Bro, I took this dude out one time. I'm like, bro, I'm a, this guy asked me to have one-on-one. I, I, I kind of struggle with doing one-on-ones because stuff like this happens to me all the time. So this guy's like, bro, can you give me a one-on-one? I'm like, uh, all right, man, that's cool. So I meet with him. The dude shows up, brings out his journal. He's like, dude. This is what I've been reading. And literally just for an hour straight, he's like, dude, and Elohim means this, and this means this, and dude, I don't know, means this. And he's like literally like sharing like a whole hour of revelation with me, and I'm just sitting there like. Wow. Mm-hmm. Cool. Sweet, dude. It's awesome. Whole hour. And I go, all right, man, I'm over it, dude. When was the last time you ever shared any of this with the lost? He's like, what do you mean? I have my, I, I'm getting a bachelor's degree right now in theology. I'm like, cool. When's the last time you ever shared this with the lost? Never. You know why you have so much to say? Because you're not sharing it with the lost. I'm going to take you out tomorrow. I'm going to take you to evangelism. Uh, oh, dude, don't make excuses. You're coming with me. I met with you one-on-one. Now you're going to come with me. All right, all right, see you here tomorrow too. All right, dude shows up. I walk up to the first person. All right, come on, man, let's do this. Hey, what's up, dude? My name's Frenchie. Yo, my buddy right here wants to share something with you. All right, get it. No, bro, you. No, you. Come on, bro. You know all that stuff. Just share with him what you shared with me yesterday. Okay, you know right now you can have justification through faith. I said, what? Dude, get out of here. Don't nobody know what justification through faith means. Speak English to him. I'm like, I don't even know what justification by faith means. I'm like, are you serious? Dude, hold up. Preach the gospel, dude, get saved. Guys, come on, man. They're not impressed by your Christianese and your big Bible words. They want to hear normal conversation. Some real talk. All right? Other thing, don't argue. People are always going to want to argue. If people start to argue with you, just say, hey, man, you know what? I hate arguing, dude. It never wins anything. Why don't I buy you ice cream cone? Why don't I get you a frappuccino? You like frappuccinos? Well, you like chocolate chip or you like caramel? Okay, don't argue. It's not going to get you anywhere. You're just going to ignite the spirit of religion to manifest ten times harder than it already is. It's pride and religion, all that dirty trash. Don't mess with it. Just love them and it will break down the walls, all right? Last one, have fun, please. Like, joy is a fruit of the Spirit. You're allowed to have it while you're evangelizing. Okay, like, don't walk up to people like, hey, you know, God died for you, man. (laughs) For real. I'm not joking, dude. I don't know why you're laughing. He died for you. Right now, you can have eternal life. Do you even know what that means? Like, dude, that's weird. People can be like, cool, man, thanks. Have a good one. Like, dude, have fun. Like, yo, what's good, man? How you doing? What's your name? Have fun, okay? Please, have fun. If you're not having fun, go ask the Lord to bring joy to your heart in that moment so you can have fun.
It's always accessible, I promise, I've tried. Okay, here we go, we got some time left. Hey, can I get uh, that fancy schmancy PowerPoint up here that you just made for me? Wow, look at that. The gospel, dun, dun, dun. TNT, baby. That's that, uh, what lyrics is that? Oh, Metallica. Oh, dude, look at that Metallica gospel. All right, so. The gospel. All right, I'm going to give you guys the funnest, dopest outline ever. Okay, everyone got a right hand? Everybody? Okay, sweet. Good, you're going to need it here in a second. All right. Number one, creation. Everyone say creation. Okay, creation is your thumb. Why? Because a green thumb is when your auntie that lives in the desert knows how to grow mango trees in the middle of the desert. And you're like, what the heck? How'd you grow a mango tree and an avocado tree in the middle of the Sahara? And she's like, because I got a green thumb. Okay? So God has a green thumb, puts his thumb down on earth, and begins to create. Creation. I remember when I first started going out and doing evangelism, actually preaching the gospel, not just like, hey, can I pray for you? And then like walking away. Like when I actually started preaching the gospel, man, this was like my outline, okay? So this is not a formula. You're not going to magically rehearse this and like, hey, guys, guess what? Creation, follow man. Like, and then they're like, oh, my gosh, I want to get saved. Like that's not how it's going to work, okay? This is just so you can meditate. You can have an outline. All right, so I remember my first time I go out, I'm like, got my hand by my side. I'm like, okay, creation. And I walk up to this girl. I'm like, hey, um, what's up? My name's Frenchie. She's like, how's it going? I'm like, hey, I just want to talk to you about Jesus real quick. Um, Okay, I'm just, this is going to be weird, I know, but, like, it's going to be more weird if I just do this, okay? So, I just want to share with you what I just learned. So, like, creation, like, God created everything, and he loves you. And I literally used it as an outline with I sp- as I spoke with her. And, like, man, we all sin. Like, you know, shame on you, you sin. <laughs> like, we all sin, right? And I'm literally using my fingers, but I'm, like, actually adding things to it. I'm not just rehearsing, like, oh, then judgment, then cross, then resurrection. I'm, like, actually communicating what they mean, Okay? And at the end, unfortunately, she's like, oh, no thanks. Like, I've had Christians talk to me, and they promise all these things. And I went to a youth group as a kid, and everyone bullied me, so I stopped going. I just don't believe that God's real. I was like, dang, I'm so sorry. I, like, felt so much love for her. I'm, like, hugging her. I'm like, dude, can we be friends? And she's like, dude, stop. Like, and I'm like, come on. And, like, I saw her again a couple days later. I'm like, hey, what's up, best friend? And she's like, oh, my gosh. But, like, it's soft in her heart, and she's laughing because I'm being a goofball, right? Okay, so. You totally can't use it like, hey, man, I just learned this, blah, blah. But I like to use it like this. And people laugh at me because they're like, man, sometimes I hear you preach the gospel and I literally see your fingers going. It's my outline because let's all be real. Sometimes we get in a conversation, we're trying to preach about Jesus, and all of a sudden we just got in a 30-minute conversation about heaven and hell and we forgot what we were even talking about in the first place. You know what I'm saying? So this is just like an outline so you know where you're at because it is the gospel message that has power. Okay? So. Creation, God creates, he loves us. Start getting revelation of creation. I spoke the gospel to myself every day for two years, and sometimes I would spend two months just dissecting creation. I spent another two months dissecting the fall of man. So, like, now I understand that God doesn't look at us and just judge all our fruit and, like, man, you're a drug addict. Oh, man, you're a porn addict. Oh, man, you're a pervert. Oh, man, you wear clothes that's way too skimpy. Oh, my gosh, you guys are all dirty. You deserve hell. He's looking at us and going, man. I know that that's coming from something much deeper. I see that you didn't get the affection you needed from a father, so now you look for the attention from dudes. I see that you were ridiculed and bullied as a kid, and so you started doing drugs because people started thinking you were cool when you did it. I see the real thing in your heart. So he's not looking at fruit. He's looking at the root. But had I not dissected that for two months, trying to get language for this stuff, I never would have known how to communicate that. Okay? Fall of man. 
Look, we got a whole generation of people standing on the things with the all fags and queers and partiers and drunks and weed smokers and whores are going to hell. Every single one of you are going to hell. All of you, hell, eternity, fire, judgment, destruction, you're going to hell. Okay, that does not get anybody saved. People already know they're going to hell. They don't need to know they're going to hell. They need to know what do I need to do to get saved. But we can't shy away from hell because what happened was that generation was doing evangelism like that. And then another generation came and said, no, hell's not real. God loves everyone and everyone comes to heaven. There's no such thing as hell because a loving God would never do that. Okay, let me ask you a question. Do you love? Anyone in here, do you guys love people? Yeah? Okay, if someone came into your house with an AK and tied you to a chair and got your whole family and went, ta, 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 and killed your whole family and walked out, how many of you would be okay with it and just be like, oh, man, I forgive them? How many of you would maybe want some justice? Any kind of justice? God is just. His nature is justice. So justice must be implemented in creation. That's how a loving God can send people to hell. I don't even believe he sends them to hell. I believe they choose it. Because I choose sin instead of him. So I'm actually sending myself. But he has to allow it because he can't force us to love him. Otherwise, that's like, I mean, let's just be real. If, I'm, if he's forcing himself on us, I hate to use this word because it's weird, but like, it's like rape, right? He's like forcing himself. He doesn't do that. He gives us the choice of being loved by him and loving him, right? So judgment, yes, there must be judgment. But you know what's amazing? When you got the Holy Spirit in you, he no longer aims his judgment at you as a person. He aims the judgment at the things in your life that separate you from him. Because he knows you want more of him. So he's going to judge that thing right there, that fear of man, that comparison, that self-hatred. He's going to judge it and say, fire of God, hit it. And suddenly you're going to be like, I repent right now for this thing. And suddenly the fire just judged you. But did it look like you going to hell? No, it looked like the things inside of you that were out of right standing going to hell. We can't be a generation that shies away from talking about hell. It's real. It's very real. I remember one time, just real quick on creation, I met this dude who was homeless, started preaching the gospel to him. The dude starts manifesting demons. He's laying on the ground. He's like, like doing all that annoying stuff. And I'm like, get out right now. Get out right now. I'm like, listen, dude, I don't feel like wrestling with this demon. You just need to do it because I'm not going to be cleaning up your mess for you all the time. I need to teach you how to fight so you can keep yourself clean. Repeat after me. I'm a son of God. I'm a son of God. I'm a son of God. And he's like, I'm a son of God. And one of the demons breaks off. I'm like, come on, baby, there it is. Say it again. I'm a son of God. Come on, come on. I'm a son of God. I'm a son of God. Ah! And his voice starts getting louder and louder and louder. Before he knows, the whole, all the demons leave, and he hears the whole gospel and gives his life to Jesus. Come on. I'm going to touch this in a second. Creation is important. People think, like, we don't need to tell people about creation. No, they need to know that they're created by God that loves them. Most people don't know that. They do know that they sinned and that they're destined for hell, okay? But we can't shy away from them. But we can do it in love. I'm going to explain this in a second. The cross. The cross is not just like some sprinkles that you put on top of a cupcake and it fixes everything. Okay, like, oh, yeah, Jesus came down. He put sprinkles on my cupcake and I built a little treehouse in my heart and now everything's dandy. No, that's lies, dude. 
The gospel is laying your life down and dying because that's what he did first. And he was a prototype and we're to follow everything he's done. Our flesh has desires. Our soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions has desires. And we have to learn to nail those things to the cross so that his desires and his flesh and his fire and his passions and his love and his emotions can be made manifest through us. Otherwise, we're just entitled to our emotions. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Our emotions suck if we don't know how to surrender them to him and live in his. You think I want to live in turmoil and depressed all the time and, like, wondering if everyone hates me or not? Like, dude, to the cross, please. I'd rather have gods where I can look at everyone and go, man, loved, 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 forgiven, forgiven, redeemed, 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 loved. So if you haven't surrendered your soul to Jesus, I highly suggest it. So that's the cross. It's he left heaven, abandoned the riches, abandoned the glory, abandoned the perfection and the comfort of his lifestyle in heaven to come down to the earth to live as one of us, to be spit on, to be ridiculed, to sweat, to not have air conditioning, to live in the desert, sunburns, puberty, literally all the things we go through, he went through. Cuts on his fingers from cutting wood, armpit sweat, like he dealt with everything we deal with. From that, he really laid a whole lot down, let me tell you what. But not only that, he lays down his life here, dies on the cross. And then, I don't know about you guys, but I would never go to hell for anyone, ever. Yet, he loves us so much, he was willing to lay down his life here and go to hell. That's a lot of laying down your life. Is it worth it? Yes. Why? Because he resurrected. Is your laying down worth it? Yes. Why? Because then you will resurrect in a brand new version of yourself. Not a upgraded or amplified, new. Brand new. With all kinds of upgrades. And then you'll start living out the kingdom. Casting demons, healing the sick. All of a sudden your kindergarten teacher or fourth grade teacher, you're talking to a student, all of a sudden they get saved and get delivered. You're like, what? Nine-year-olds can have demons? Yes, nine-year-olds can have demons. Let me tell you a story. Okay, so I was just in Peru. And I went with Christoph, and we got to lead a team of all Brazilians. It was dope. And so we go to a school one day at 10 in the morning, and I, Christoph's like, bro, you're supposed to preach the gospel today. I'm like, bet. I go out. We're at a middle school. I stand up in front of all these girls. I start preaching the gospel, and 10 a.m., we got a demon manifesting in a middle schooler. Maybe 100 people get saved. Carry her out. Take her outside. The Lord speaks to me. He says, Something traumatic happened in her life recently. There's a spirit of suicide wanting to take her out. I ask her in Spanish, hey, have you been trying to commit suicide lately? Yes. Is there a voice telling you to kill yourself? Yes. Okay, we need to break agreement with that thing right now because it's the enemy trying to kill you. Let's break agreement right now and tear the contract. So we pray. She gets delivered. Blah, the junk comes out, gets fully set free. All of a sudden, the principal comes over. What's going on here? I'm like, no, no, wait, wait. We do this all the time. I promise this is normal. And she's like, what? I'm like, no, just chill, chill, chill. This girl just had something traumatic happen to her. I don't know her. I don't know anything about her. But I know that there was something traumatic that just happened. And there's a spirit of suicide trying to kill her. She goes, give her to me. And grabs her and walks away. I walk away. About five minutes later, these girls come over. And they're like, hey, that's our friend. I'm like, can you tell me a little bit about her? What's going on in her life? And they go, oh, her dad just died two weeks ago. And every single day, her and her mom have been saying, if he's not going to live, we don't want to live either. And they've been partnering with the spirit of suicide every single day. Feeding it. Growing it. Nurturing it. Making it stronger. Here's what's crazy, though. We were there for a week, and we saw 2,100 people give their life to Jesus in a week. 
So crazy. I remember being in the Philippines. I led, a, I led an outreach from Brazil. I was out in Brazil for the first fine fragrance ever. And we, I led an outreach to the Philippines. And uh, I told my team, I was like, look, man, lecture phase is over, okay? I love you, but I'm not going to sit here and have one-on-ones and nurture your heart. You should have dealt with that stuff in lecture phase. I'm here right now to train you to be a laborer for the harvest. So we're going to wake up every single day. We're going to pray in tongues for an hour, and then we're going to go out and preach the gospel. And that's what we're aiming for. Literally every day we'd go out and preach the gospel. Some days we'd see 97 people get saved. Other times we'd see 300 people get saved in one day. Okay, I train like true fiery laborers of the kingdom. At the end of our outreach, we saw 15,115 souls give their life to Jesus. You guys want to hear a verse? All right. Then Jesus spoke up and said, my food is to be doing the will of him who sent me and bring it to completion. Everyone say completion. completion. As the crowds emerged from the villages, Jesus said to his disciples, why would you say the harvest is another four months away? Look at all the people coming. Now is harvest time. For their hearts are like vast fields of ripened grain, ready for a spiritual harvest. Guys, there is no waiting four months. The harvest is now. Okay, if you're sitting here saying, I'm going to wait till I go on outreach to preach the gospel, you just did your whole team an injustice by not training before you get there and having to take a whole week out of your outreach just to train in the nations. We're on an island with thousands of people, and the harvest is ripe. Now is the time. You want spiritual food? Nourish yourself by obeying the Father and bringing the things that he has to fulfill on earth into completion. Man, I was so fired up with one of my dudes in my marriage. I'm waking up every day in the word, waking up doing all these things. And it's like week three, I'm like, bro, I have not seen you. He's like trying to pick on me. He's like, bro, how come you don't take a shower at night? It's hot all day. I'm like, dude, because I'm going to bed, I'm exhausted. We've been out doing evangelism all day. I don't care, dude. I'm going to shower in the morning. I had a bucket shower anyways, and it's cold. I don't feel like showering right now. And he would always pick on me. Dude, you're dirty. Dude, I can't believe you don't do that. And I was like getting my buttons pushed, but I was like, it's all good. I'm going to look like Jesus. So finally one day my buttons get too pushed, and he's like, hey, bro, I can hear the shower calling your name. Frenchie, Frenchie. I go, bro, you know what? I can hear the Bible calling your name. When are you going to get in it? And all of a sudden he repents. And after that, he comes up to me, he's like, bro, I'm so sorry, man, I, for picking on you. I was just waiting till I got home to apply these things. I'm like, bro, I need you now. I don't need you when you get home. Philippines don't need you when you get home. We need you now. Quit wasting time, dude. Harvest is now. Get in the game. And he shakes up and gets in the game. Guys, come on. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to be the big brother that's saying harvest is now. I was just at McDonald's the other day, sitting there, and everyone's having joyful, loving, YWAM Christian conversations, and I'm like, Lord, who am I supposed to talk to? And I'm like, one ear here, because like, most of it I'm not really that interested in, but I got one ear here, because I am interested in what God has to say, right? And all of a sudden, I look over, and he's like, that dude, I'm like, set it up, dude, come on, set it up, set it up. So he sets it up, next thing you know, we're leaving, and the dude's outside all by himself. Thank you, Lord. I'm like, come on, we got to talk to this dude. Me and my girlfriend walk over, we start preaching the gospel, so simple, literally. Hey, man, you know God created you and he loves you? Yeah. Would you be willing right now to admit that there's sin in your life? <laughs> yeah. Bro, you know what's crazy? 
our sin deserves like hell. Like it sucks, man, but like we deserve hell when we sin. But what's crazy is Jesus died on the cross so that he could wipe all it away and we could be clean before him. Right now, you can have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Like right now, you could be filled with God. It's crazy, I know, but right now you could be filled with God. You want to surrender your life to Jesus right now? Yeah. Have you ever done it before? No. Awesome, dude. Today you step into the kingdom. Gives his life to Jesus right there. I'm telling you, the harvest is ripe. Did the same thing on Wednesday with another dude named John that I'm going to see at Jesus Club today because he gave his life to Jesus. And I said, bro, now you need to come to Jesus Club to get discipled, and he'll be there today. Come on, Jesus. So I'm not just a stage preacher. I actually prefer one-on-one on the streets all day, for real. I've stood up at skate parks. I was in Brazil one time, stood up at a skate park. There was like 15, 14 kids. I'm like, everybody, let me get your attention. No microphone, just screaming at the top of my lungs, losing my voice. Listen to me. Preach the gospel. Every single one of them got saved. One chick goes home, goes home weeping, and the dude goes home weeping, and the mom, his mom worked at the nail salon. So he comes home. He's crying for two hours, encountering the spirit of the living God. Can't figure out why the heck he can't stop crying and why he just looked like a sissy boy crying in front of all his friends. I'm not saying that's what he was, but I'm saying, come on, he's a 13-year-old kid. You know he's running through his head. Let's be real. He goes home, his mom's like, why are you crying? I don't know. This guy talked about Jesus. He's crazy. Look at what that does. And, and, and piercings, he, he gets up. And so all of a sudden, my friend goes to the nail salon to get her nails done. And she's like, oh, are you one of the people from that thing over there? Yeah. Do you know a guy that has tattoos and piercings? Yeah. Well, I don't know what kind of Jesus he worships or what kind of God he worships. But he prayed for my son, and my son wouldn't stop crying for two hours saying that he loved Jesus. I remember like a couple weeks earlier than that, I told this the messenger track the other day, it was so sick. I walk into this place called Shekinah Burgers. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I step into this place called Shekinah Burgers, and I'm sitting there. I'm like, all right, Lord, who am I supposed to talk to? See the guy? I'm like, all right, man, let's do this. And I kind of didn't want to do it, but like I did it because I love Jesus, right? And so like I don't always feel like doing evangelism, but I always feel like seeing the kingdom of heaven break out. So I just punch through the flesh and get straight to the spirit. So I walk over. And I start preaching the gospel to the dude. He's like, oh, yeah, I know. I've already given my life to Jesus. I'm like, oh, perfect. You ever been baptized in the Holy Spirit? No. All right, I'm going to pray for it and I get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Give me your hand. Start praying. Open my eyes. And the dude's covered in gold dust. I'm like, what the, dude, that's crazy. Like, this does not happen when I pray for people, dude. I don't know what in the world is going on. And he's like, what is that? I'm like, dude, I don't know. It's called like gold dust or something. That's nuts. I get up, and the glory just starts to come into the restaurant. I step over to the table next to me. There's like four or five kids. I look over them. They're all like in high school. And I'm like, hey, guys, check this out. I start preaching the gospel. I point at him. I'm like, look at all that stuff all over him. They see the gold dust, and they all give their life to Jesus. Come on, Jesus. If you want to see a video, go on my Instagram. I just posted it. I met this satanic dude on the street. Satanic. And I walk up. And he's like, oh, yeah, I worship Satan. I was with some of my friends. I'm like, <laughs> why? Dude, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. He's like, what are you talking about, bro? I'm like, you do realize that, like, Satan got kicked out of heaven, and God was like, I'm going to create these little humans, and they're going to stomp on him for a living just to show him how much of an idiot he is and how much he doesn't compare with the power of myself. That little tiny humans are going to stomp on him. Go, dude, you were created to stomp on that fool, and you're bowing down to him. How about I go get you a soda can, and you bow down to that? He goes, all right, man, well, I didn't know any of this. I'm like, well, now you do. What do I got to do? I go, you got to give your life to Jesus, dude. Well, every Christian I've ever met tells me that I'm going to hell. I go, yeah, well, maybe every Christian you've ever met doesn't understand the mercy of God, and I do. 
He goes, all right, man, let's do this. I go, all right, come over here and stand in the grass because you might fall. He's like, what do you mean I might fall? I'm like, bro, you just said you worship Satan and you're scared to fall on the floor? He's like, oh, yeah, you're right. So he comes over to the grass. I start praying. I'm thinking this dude's going to fall. And instead of falling back, he leans forward. He's like, and starts puking out like Martian snot. It's disgusting. So I'm laughing because I'm like, yes, demons just got punched in the throat, baby. Boom, boom, boom. And I'm sitting there cracking. I'm like, bro, stick your finger in it and see if it bites. And I'm like cracking. He's like, dude, something's wrong with you. Like puking his brains out. And then after, he gives his life to Jesus. Last story because I'm running out of time. All right. There was one day where I go to McDonald's here in Kona, and I drive in. It was two years ago. Right, wherever you're at, you're in this story. I'm stoked to put you on display, homeboy. All right. All right, so I go to McDonald's, and I'm like, Lord, who am I supposed to talk to? Crazy word. I was like, Lord, you're going to give me a strategy for salvations. What's the strategy? Andy Bird's daughter comes up. She's... I'm like, hey, can I pray baptism the Holy Spirit over you? I had no idea who she is. She goes, uh, I'm Andy Bird's daughter. I'm already baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm like, oh, perfect. Will you prophesy over me? And she goes, yeah, I just hear the Lord saying you're going to start buying ice cream cones and giving them away to people to preach the gospel. I'm like, yes, that's the strategy. So I go to McDonald's. I go in there. I buy an ice cream cone, and I'm sitting there. All right, Lord. Who is it? Look over a table, and there's a chick on a date. Okay, this is freaking awkward, right? Like, there's a chick on a date. And there's me with my mohawk. I used to have a gnarly mohawk, and like, you know, just looking like me. And I'm like, bro, I'm about to walk up on a high school date right now. This is awkward. All right, bet. I walk up, I'm like, hey, I know this is super awkward. Excuse me. And I sit down. I'm like, you guys on a date? And she's like, I'm like, all right, anyways, I won't be long, okay? Look, I was standing over there, and God told me to come over here and tell you that your heaven and father loves you. I mean, your father in heaven loves you. Yeah, your father in heaven loves you. And all of a sudden, her eyes just immediately start tearing up. And then the dam breaks. They start coming down her cheeks. She's looking at me. I go, and I don't know how to explain it other than, like, it was like a real deal fear the Lord moment. It wasn't like a cute, like, oh. It was like fear of the Lord. And she looks at me, she goes, my dad just died. He never told me he loved me. Now I'm crying. Like, man, I'm so sorry. God sent me over here to ruin your day to let you know that God, your Father in heaven, loves you. And he wants a relationship with you. And I start preaching the gospel. And I get to the very end. I go, do you want this relationship with a Father in heaven that will tell you he loves you every single day? She's like, yes. I go, okay, repeat after me. I grab her hand. She gives her life to Jesus. I go, stand up. It comes around. I start to pray for her inside McDonald's. Boom, hits the ground under the power of God. She stands up, start prophesying over her. I minister to her. I leave, and now I'm like, woo, baby, devil's about to pay. Start driving around. That's when we met Ganesh. Anyways, fast forward the story. I get to a neighborhood, I'm driving in, some of my friends like Mo and Savannah and some other people lived in there. Did you live in there, man? Oh, she lives in there now. Anyway, so it's this neighborhood. And I would drive in and there's a bunch of kids playing in a field and the Holy Spirit says, revival. I'm like, revival? Where? I'm looking around and I think sometimes we have this like 
idea of what revival is supposed to look like. Like, oh, it's supposed to be a bunch of people gathering under a tent. Like, you know, okay. I didn't know what the heck revival was. I just hear him say, revival. I look over, and I see eight children having fun in a field. And I'm like, those kids? Are you serious, Lord? Like, where's the drug addicts? Like, where's the prison mates? Like, kids? He goes, revival. I park the car. I walk over, start preaching the gospel to these kids. They all give their life to Jesus, start praying for them one at a time. Boom, 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 boom. All of them laid out under the power of God, okay? They're coming up. I just met Jesus. He had a fire, and he handed me a sword on fire, and he said, I'm going to be a preacher of the word. And, like, all of them are having these crazy encounters with angels, with Jesus, and all of a sudden I'm like, holy smokes, what just happened? I go over there, crib. I look like I'm going crackhead crazy because I have no idea what's going on. I'm like, dude, I'm out like... Preaching gospel in the streets is freaking saying all these kids are getting saved and getting slain everywhere. And all of a sudden, this kid comes. Boom, 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 boom. What's up, dude? Hey, the thing that's happening with all the kids in the neighborhood, will you pray for it to happen to me too? Yeah, come inside. Pray for him. Boom, gets laid out in the living room. Then his little brother. Boom, boom, boom. Hello? Is my brother in here? Yeah. Um, you want to give your life to Jesus right now? What? Start preaching the gospel, gives life to Jesus, come inside. Boom, under power of God. All of a sudden, I'm like, dude, what is going on? I go outside, and I see Wright with his brother and his two homies, okay? And I walk up, and I'm like, hey, guys, listen, I got something to share with you real quick. I start preaching the gospel. Wright was the first one. All of a sudden, I start to pray for him. He gives his life to Jesus, and boom, hits the ground under the power. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, his friend's like, whoa, what's going on? What is this? I go, dude, this is Jesus. I get up in his face, preach the gospel round two, boom. K.O., round two, second one. Then I go, preach the gospel to the third one. Jesus shows up, bam, K.O., on the ground. Three salvations, three baptisms of the Holy Spirit and fire. All three of them get knocked out on the ground. All of a sudden I'm standing there and the Holy Spirit goes, that guy doesn't believe, doesn't believe a word that you're saying. And I look over in the corner of my eye, it's right, brother. I walk up, I go, you don't believe a word that I'm saying, do you? All right. Preach the gospel to him eye to eye. I go, you still don't believe. Want to give your life to Jesus? Pray for him, boom, hits the ground under the power of God. Okay, why did I share that? Number one, you guys all carry the power of God. You're ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. Where you go, heaven has permission to break out and demons have to flee. Number two, sometimes people aren't going to understand intellectually what we're saying, but the spirit of God is going to reveal to their spirit that there's something missing that they need. Okay, I've preached the gospel to the people with 666 shirts. They're my favorite target. Prayed, preached the gospel to Zoo one time. He's like, I don't believe any of this trash, man. I'm like, dude, but listen, hear me out. Start sharing some of my testimony with him. Preach the gospel. He's like, okay, well, if I had experiences like that, I would do it. I'm like, all right, let's pray for you right now then. Glad you said that. Start praying. Nothing happens. Okay? So it doesn't always happen just to bring comfort and peace to your heart. And I'm like, oh, okay, let me try again. 30 minutes. We're going after it. I'm like convinced that this dude's about to encounter the power of God. Like, goosebump? No. Uh, uh, warmth in your hands? Nope. Nothing. Uh, shivering spine? Nope. Nothing. Uh, joy? Nope. Peace, peace, nope, ding, go, come on, God. And all of a sudden, like, I know that Holy Spirit manifests. It's not a question. I know that he shows up. I know that I carry the kingdom of heaven. I know this. So now I am, like, wholly frustrated. And I start to cry out to God. Why for me and not for him? I didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve the encounter, God. I didn't deserve to meet you. He does more than me. I didn't want anything to do with you. He's open, God. Come on. 
And I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. Come on, God! Do it for him! At a university campus. Unashamed, unapologetic, uncaring, unafraid. I know God shows up. And all of a sudden he stops me. Bro, it's okay, man. Maybe he just doesn't want to do it for me right now. It's okay. I'm like, no, dude, it's not okay. You don't understand how bad I want you to experience the love of God. Dude, but maybe he will some other time. It's just not maybe the time right now. <sighs> Whatever, man. Give me a hug. Give him a hug. I give him my phone number. I go, dude, just hit me up whenever I skate, dude. We can skate. He's like, all right, man. Yeah, that'd be cool. I walk away, and the Holy Spirit goes, he's convinced. He said, he's convinced. Sometimes our audacity will convince them that what we're saying is real. Don't back down from the fight. Jesus is real and he's alive. Okay? When we preach the gospel, creation, you tell people that God loves them and he created them for a purpose. He desires them. He longs for them. His desire is that they would not perish but have eternal life. He's obsessed with them. He dreams of them. He knit them together in their mother's womb with the divine purpose to pour his love out upon them. Fall of man. This is where I add my testimony. Everyone say, add my testimony. If I come in and I say, dude, you're a sinner. You have sin in your life. I'm another accusational Christian in their life. I'm just another one of these picket signs. Okay? Yet, I come and I say, bro, I get it, man. I was a drug addict for 12 years. Dude, man, one time I got this girl pregnant and we like did a bunch of drugs because we didn't want the baby and we ended up killing it. I go low. I talk about the most gnarliest, broken, messed up stuff in my life and I get low with them. You know why? Because they don't need another Christian coming from a holy pulpit pointing down at them. They need a Jesus that's gonna get down on one knee like the woman that got caught in adultery where she's butt naked after having sex with this dude and they drag her out and these religious kooks don't give her any time to put her clothes on and they drag her out to shame her in front of everyone. Don't you think she was shame, shame like had enough shame already? She's probably sitting there covering her breasts, like covering herself, not wanting to be exposed. And these dudes are like, Jesus, want us to kill her? And Jesus gets down on one knee because he knows there ain't no way this girl's about to look up at me. She's so filled with shame. I'm going to get down on a knee. And I'm going to put my finger in the sand and I'm going to move it around because I know that this is going to get her attention. And all of a sudden, she looks over at his finger, and for a second, he gets to lock eyes with her, and she knows he loves me. He's not looking at my body. He's not looking at my sin. He's looking at me. He loves me. And he gets down on one knee and makes eye contact with her, and he says, if any of you aren't guilty of sin, go ahead and throw the stones. But other than that, back up. They start dropping the stones, oldest to youngest. And she looks at him when he says, where are your accusers? There are none. I don't condemn you either. Go, stop sinning, love you. They don't need to be told how dirty they are. They already know. We need to go low and get humble and meet them in the place where they are and stop acting like we're perfect cookie cutter Christians. We've all got crap to share. All right, so we need to go low and tell them, man, I was bound. 
Man, I was a religious fanatic, and all I wanted to do was read it, but I excluded people from my life. I just wanted to be hours in the Word and in prayer, but never got around people. Like, come on, man, we all got real crap in our life. Let's stop acting like we don't. This is where we bring in our testimony, and we share relatability with the lost. Judgment, this is what I do. Hey, we all deserve to go to hell, man. I'm the first one that deserves it. I've done more bad things than most people I'll ever meet. We deserve it. You and I both, we can't act like we don't. You see how I just communicated hell without pointing my finger at the person and making them feel guilty or shameful? I said, bro, we're all guilty. We need a ticket out. Now we just released hope and love into the person. So we must talk about hell. We can't shy away from it, but we also can't make them feel like it's like only them. We have to come and say us, we, inclusive language. It'll help you in your evangelism. The cross, I already talked about that. It's about laying your life down. Don't tell them all their problems are going to go away. Tell them that the Holy Spirit's going to live inside them and hold them by the hand and help nuke those things out of their life. And then Holy Spirit will live in you, will raise you from the dead, and you won't be dead on your inside anymore. You'll be alive on the inside. It'll leak wherever you go. You'll be able to heal the sick. You'll be able to cast demons. Start prophesying. This is where your prophetic gift comes in. Boom, start prophesying. God's going to use you to change nations. God is going to use you to start planting churches. Suddenly you're not putting your gift on display. You're using it because it's leading unto salvation. Come on, Jesus. All right. This is how we preach the gospel, okay? Is this good? You guys feel empowered? Okay. Is anyone from our team, Bailey and Leah, can you guys do a real quick, I got to go. Um, can you guys do a real quick, like, training time? Just do one-on-one, -one, have some fun the way we do in Messenger Track. Me and Luke are going to roll out. Okay. We're just going to get you getting up. We only got about 10 minutes, so, like, maybe minute-long increments. You are going to preach the gospel to each other. You're going to get in pairs. One of you is going to stand on a chair, and one of you is going to stand on the floor, and the person on the chair is going to preach the gospel to the person. At the top of your lungs. You know why? Because when Jesus went and rose Lazarus from the dead, it said he shouted. He said, Lazarus, raise right now. So when we scream, you see, when God created, he spoke and things came into existence. But when Jesus screams, things come back to life from the dead. Okay? So you're going to scream and you're going to yell. And the things that are dead in people's lives as you preach the gospel are going to start coming alive. Okay? So here we go. Gospel time. Holy Spirit, I pray now a real deal impartation of the evangelistic anointing over this room. God, I pray for clear communication. I pray for the fire of God to fall in this room right now. God, I pray that there would be wild evangelists that rise up from this day. God, that there would be salvations and sweeps of harvest ushering into this tent with testimonies every single week, God, that people would break passivity and finally step in to the fullness of who you've created them to be. In Jesus' name.